Um, before we get in the word, there's something um, that I just want to do together. In Psalm 46:10, it talks about God being someone who makes wars cease around us, and He says, "says Be still and know that I'm God." And so, just one thing I wanted to do as we just prepare our hearts is that we would just sit in silence before God. Um, it would just be a moment to sit and um, just present your heart to the Lord. We're not going to have any keyboard to make it extra spiritual, but this is an intentional time for us to just. Um, sit before God. And so we just wanted to do that for just just a minute. And I'll close in prayer and lead us into the word. But just right wherever you're at, if you could just bow your head and just close your eyes. And, you know, oftentimes when we do that, the, the things of our heart just come right up to the surface. And that's the that's the things that we present to God right now. So let's let's do that together. God, you're good, and Lord, your forgiveness is good over us. Lord, your righteousness, it surrounds us, Lord. Lord, your word says that you sing songs of deliverance around us. Lord, this morning, as we just sit before you, Lord, not just going through a church service, but sitting before you, God, we just come come to you, just as a kid comes to their dad, and we just say we love you and we praise you. God, would you forgive us of sin that's in our lives? Lord, would you remove shame and sin that that doesn't belong? Lord, would you remind us of your love and your forgiveness, how it washes as white as snow? Lord, that you don't see us based on our sin, and Lord, you see us based on your love for us and your compassion for us. Lord, this morning we want to hear from you, and so, Lord, we just sit and we acknowledge that you're God, Lord, and we're your people. And, Lord, we want to listen to our God. So this morning we ask that you'd speak to us, right where we're at. But Lord, we listen to you. Lord, we turn our face towards you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. You want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We've been going through a series we just started a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit, um, specifically about the Holy Spirit amongst our friendships. And that's something that defines us as the church. Church is, is defined as a people pursuing Jesus by His Spirit. And I think that's important to note right now. If you ever were thinking about what church is and what it's not, this is what church is. And it isn't a full 100% commitment without the Spirit. It's not a full 100% effort without God helping you. Because oftentimes we come in and we say, God, we're going to give you a full, full effort, but we're not going to rely on your Spirit while we do it. And so we rely on our own strength. We rely on our own abilities when it comes to being the people that God has created us to be, but also amongst one another and loving one another. And that, that, that will turn into coping. You'll just cope with yourself. You'll just cope with your surroundings and just kind of, I think the word that you could use is sin management. You'll be a sin manager in your life without the Spirit. But, but the Holy Spirit not only allows you 
to, to live in the forgiveness of God, but it empowers you to be the men and women that God have called you to be, not only before the Lord, but with one another. And we see that with the early church with one another and the way that they related, that they loved each other, but they didn't just love one another on their own strength and their own energy, but instead they pressed it in the way that God had called them and by God's strength as well. And so last week, the last couple kind of weeks we looked at we looked at the, the beginning of Acts chapter 1, which is all about the early church. It's all about when Jesus rises from the dead. He spends this 40-day period revealing himself to his disciples, giving many convincing proofs. I am he. Everything I said was true, and this is what it means moving forward. Jesus would even say things like, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Don't move out in the fullness of the Spirit until you have him. It's better that you have the Holy Spirit than a physical Jesus. Remember that when we talked about that last week? And Jesus meant what he said by that. And he said that it's better to have the Holy Spirit living within you than to just have a physical Jesus. Hey, what's up, man? Because of what the Spirit empowers us and has in store for us. And Jesus ascends to heaven. And here's this group of people. Here they are. The early church is numbered about 120 at this point. These people who had witnessed something very few have gotten to see in their lives the death and resurrection of Jesus in person, physically with their eyes. And we pick up this story right here because when we talk about how the Holy Spirit works in our friendships, the next question I think that's fair to ask is, how do you do that? What does that mean, Holy Spirit in our friendships? Because I'm hearing that, I'm hearing how important it is, but what does that actually mean? And that is the reason why we're going through this. And this morning, I want to look at some of the things that the disciples did for the Spirit to come. We're going to look at one specific way this week, and we're going to look at another specific way that they did it during the next week. But the how is so important as well, because when you look at these people, as it says in verse 12, we're picking up right after Jesus has ascended to heaven. It says, Then the apostles referring to the 12 disciples, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is where Jesus ascended to heaven. It's a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room that they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew. How would you like to be named Bartholomew? I'm sorry if anyone is named Bartholomew in the room. Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot. And Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Can we say amen to God's word? Jesus ascends, and the first thing that they do is they return to the place that they had been staying, the place where Jesus had met with them, and they just join together constantly in prayer. Here is this kind of melting pot of people, different people. And the power of referring to those names is so many of those names were in so many stories of when Jesus' ministry was on earth. You see people like James and John and Peter, but you also see people like Mary, Jesus' mother, who was a part of that group as well because they had all been a part of this incredible story, this incredible revelation of God's goodness that he loved us and that he died for our sins and that there's forgiveness and that there's a life in that. And what you see in this is that you see a people gathering together, and their first response is to pray. And prayer is the absolute, the absolute first step to living in the Spirit. And so if somebody says, well, how do I have friendships in the Spirit? How do I relate to the Spirit with one another? How do I personally live in the fullness of the Spirit? The absolute first step is prayer. Prayer is our first response. 
Prayer is, it's not a last resort necessarily. It's a, it's a first response in every area of our life. Sometimes when we think about what prayer is, which is communication with God, it's something that he made. We look at it in kind of these funny ways that this, we define prayer by our own standards. We say prayer is only meant for when I'm struggling or prayer is only meant when I'm, I'm good. Prayer is only for the articulate. Prayer is something that we treat like a school group speech. How many of you have ever had to do a group speech in school before? Sometimes we treat prayer, especially with one another, like it's a group speech in biology. And it's like this, there's four of us standing up there and we're each going to say something and we imagine God sitting in the back of the room, you know, taking notes on us, nodding, and we're like, yeah, he liked that. He liked that. I'm going to get a good grade. Or maybe you're like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to just rely on, you know, Billy over here to just (laughs) say all the good stuff and carry our grade. Maybe you think about prayer that way. It's like, oh, I'm not a good prayer, but he is, so he can pray for the group. Yeah, then our group prayer will be good. But almost in a sense, you think God's grading you. But prayer and the picture of prayer is actually more of like maybe a friend or like a father or like a father figure in your life, a motherly figure in your life taking you out to coffee or taking you out to lunch, the very nature of how you're hanging out, them taking you out, speaks that they love and care about you. And they say, so what's up? What's going on in your life? How's your heart doing? Tell me. I want to I get to know you. I want to know what's, what's going on inside that heart of yours. See, prayer is this open, safe place that God wants to communicate with us. I, I just met with a student yesterday who has been struggling. They were a part of this group, actually, last year, and now they're in high school, and they've been struggling with stuff. And they said, I feel like I can't tell anyone this. You're the only person that I feel like I could tell. And that's, that's a humbling thing to hear, but that's, that's what God wants. We're the, the, we're the first people to go to God and say, God, I can talk to you about this. When I struggle to talk with the people around me about stuff going on, you're the one that I can talk to in this moment, God. See, that's what prayer is. And so sometimes we invert it where it's like we're going to hide from God but talk to people around us about what's going on rather than the other way. God wants to know the depths of our heart. In fact, when you look at the word, there's three verses I actually just want to put up there. It's Ephesians 6.18. It's Colossians 4.2 and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You know, pray at all times is what it would say right there. That's the takeaway. And if you look at Colossians 4.2, it says that we're to be devoted to prayer. That prayer is something not just at all times, not just certain times, but it's something that we're to be devoted to. And then 1 Thessalonians um, 5.19, it would say, pray con- or 5.17, pray continuously. Prayer is something that you start and you never finish. It's something when you walk with people, it's not like, well, we're done talking. And when you think about the people who are closest to you, you have a continual conversation going with them. It's not just, I'm done, or we're starting. It's, we're close enough that we can just be in communication. We'll talk more at certain times and maybe less, but the communication never stops. Amen? Prayer is when you have a plan and when you don't have one. It's for every time. It's in the midst of struggling. It's especially in the midst of struggling. Prayer in itself is a non-negotiable because of the power that it has in our lives. And when I say that word non-negotiable, sometimes we think, well, I could pray or not pray and be okay with, like, and I'll be good. But prayer is something that is a part of our lives. We're a people of prayer. 
And we're a people that are defined by prayer because we're a people of God. If we're going to be in a relationship with God, a real living relationship, it would be wise of us to talk to him and to listen to him when he talks to us back. It's one of those things that sometimes we can often skip over and then we, we find ourselves struggling in our own relationship and wondering why certain things are happening a certain way. And it's, it's not necessarily in the moment that's the, that's the hang-up, but it's back here. It's skipping over this part of it. How many of you know what an alumni match is? That's a big, big word. Probably not many. Alumni matches are things that usually happen for high schools and for colleges, sometimes for pro teams. But if you say, like, you're playing on a high school basketball team and you're done with high school and you played on that team before, they'll do an alumni match so all the former players who are interested in playing will play against the current team. Alumni matches are really funny because you have a team that's been training six to seven days a week. They have trainers, coaches. They're there at school. They're working hard, and they are, they're in shape. This is what they're dedicated to. They have a season that's about to start, and then you have a team of old hacks, you know, like people who are, who are done playing. They just want to get out. They just want to kind of relive the glory days. And I, had, I actually had an alumni match because I used to coach at George Fox, and they're like, hey, you want to be the alumni coach? And I was like, sure, <laughs> you know, why not? Might as well get outside for a minute. So we're playing against this team, and I'm with all these former players, and the looks on their faces as they were about to take the court were like, we're going to die. We're going to die out there. We're not, we're not in shape. We don't work out anymore. We're years of burgers and terrible diets to weigh us down and not running and we go out and we play this alumni match and we're literally we're all half our team is laying on the court because we're just so tired we were so sore and they're like hey you want to play later to them they're like they feel fine about it and we're dead we're toast we were toast for days but they were good they're in shape and they moved on and now, let me ask you something about that. Do you think it would have been foolish of our team? We have not played. We have not worked out. We have not put any time into it to go, oh, I should have won. Oh, I can't believe I didn't play as good. Or, oh, I can't believe I'm not in good a shape as that other person. It's like, no, we, we don't work out. Like, yeah, we lost, but we're going to Red Robin, so see you later. But let me ask you something. How, how often in our lives do we not make a place for prayer, an intentional place for prayer with God and with one another, and then we go, oh, God, where are you? Why is this not working? And it's like God says, that. well, I have a place for you to deal with those pains. And it's in prayer. It's in communication with me, and it's communication with others to me as well. And when, I'm, when I talk about prayer this morning, I'm not talking just about individual prayer, but prayer together with others. And what I mean by that is it's not just like looking at someone saying, hey, like, I'm going to pray for you. It's no, we're going to pray with each other right now, audibly together. I want to talk about that kind of prayer as well, because there are two types of prayer that we need in our lives. There's our prayer before the Lord, and then there's our prayer with one another. And we need both of them, and this is why. When you're only praying by yourself, but you never pray with one another, that's you isolate yourself. God made us to be in relationship, and that starts with prayer with one another. Maybe you're the kind of person that the only time that you pray with others is in a setting like this, but you never pray on your own. And so 
there's kind of this emptiness inside of you because there's no depth or personal side to your prayer life. And what I would just say, if you're one side or the other, to make room for both. We need a private prayer life, and we need a public one. Amen? We need prayer in our lives, but especially prayer with one another. And that's, that's something I want to talk about a lot this morning because that's, that's the one that gets often overlooked in our lives is the prayer with one another. And I'm not just talking about on a Sunday morning. I'm not just talking about at a halftime. I'm not just talking about when everything is structured, but prayer with one another as a part of our daily life. If you're hanging out with a friend, you know, it could be anywhere. It could be at school. You could be at home. You could be wherever. Where's the point that you say, hey, how can I pray for you? Can we pray right now? Hey, let's pray over that right now. Something comes up in your life. Prayer is an on-the-run thing. It is a constant part of your life. And so when something happens, it's a we need to pray right now kind of thing that we have with us. It's not just a start and a stop. It's a continual thing that's a part of our lives. I heard a quote. It said that you can measure, um, you can measure the health of a church by the number of people who pray together, not the attendance. When you look at a church, you can go, man, they have so many people. They must be doing good. But the actual measure of how healthy or how alive a church is is how many of those people are gathering and praying together. That's just something as a pastor we look at, but you could take that to a whole nother level. If you want to know how healthy you are as a person, what does your prayer life look like? If you want to know how your relationship with God is going, look at your prayer life because it starts there. That leads into everything of our relationship with God. If you want to know how healthy your friendships are, you could also look at how much you pray with one another as well. I, uh, I used to be the house manager for the college ministry over here. And during my second year of it, we had, a, we had a group of about six or seven people that were in the house. And none of them were really dramatic or any of that. They were pretty, pretty solid, pretty solid in their lives, pretty solid. Just kind of, just to say it simply, like no one bit each other's heads off, you know, sort of a thing. Because when you get people living together in a house in a dorm style, that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing because you're sharing your lives together. But you had these people who were pretty, pretty independent. And everything seemed to be going well, but I just remember sitting there and looking at this house and going, something is just, I feel like there's something missing with this group. And at one of our house meetings, this is two hours, or two, two hours, two months into the school year, and I just remember, I said, how are you, how are you guys praying for one another? And they looked like, uh, we don't. We haven't even thought of that. We, we haven't prayed with each other, just, I don't think we've prayed once with each other outside of our meetings and outside of services. And I remember that was a point where we said, okay, well, we need to start praying with one another, like in our daily life. And from that moment on, I can remember just time after time of intentional prayer that was with that group of people. Some of them were just a couple of them. Sometimes it was everyone, people going through seasons of life where we had to pray over each other's future. One of the people in the house, they they lost tragically one of their friends from college, and so we rallied together in prayer and watching over them, and it brought us so much closer, and it brought us to a different level of understanding because we were fine. We were pretty manageable by ourselves, but I remember just this point of saying, we're not praying together. 
don't, that probably means there's something way deeper that God wants to do in us, and we went forward in that. And it's actually interesting if I could just tell you, um, because everyone bought in. There was one kid that did not buy in, actually, to that, and he's not walking with the Lord anymore. Everyone else is, and they're doing amazing. They're, they're living out everything that God has in store, but that person that said, oh, that's, I don't think that's really important. They're not walking with Jesus anymore, and I think that there's something revealing and even just noticeable about that because we were a people that were made to pray with one another. We were made to be with one another, and to say that's not important is to isolate and to miss, to miss what God would have in store for us. Prayer is building a bridge to a place before you arrive to cross it. When you think about your life and you think about your friendships, prayer is like this thing that goes out before you and it builds this bridge and then later on in your life, you're ready to cross it and it's there and it's crossable because you've, you've built it. You've built it in prayer and that could be anything. Lord, would you teach me how to be a good friend? Lord, would you teach me how to love the people around me? God, would you give me a hunger for your word? God, would you teach me how to make time for your word? And you know what? That's then when it comes to the moment, God has already gone out in front and prepared that. So many times when you see throughout the Bible when it's uh, an army is about to head to battle and they say, Lord God, would you give us victory? And God says, see, I've delivered it into your hands. That's a picture of prayer in our lives as well because we say, God, would you go out and battle this for us? And God goes, see, I've given it to you. See, I've claimed it for you. To try and grow in the Lord without prayer is to grow in the Lord in vain. It's to skip over the very thing that he has in store for us. Prayer is also a discipline in nature that it's something that we make space for. It's something that we decide to do as well. And I would just even say that this Tuesday, um, usually we make announcements before. Actually, this probably is the first time I've made a mid-sermon announcement. But we've talked about how half times once a month we're going to join the main service in prayer and worship. And we're doing that this Tuesday where we're going to gather at 6.30, but then at 7, so if you come at 7, it hasn't started yet, but 7 to 8.30, we're going to pray and worship together, not just us and not just the youth, but with the main body of the church, people coming together, praying for one another, but also praying for our family, praying for our community, praying for our world. And that's, that's something, why that is so important is because when we gather in those places and say, we're going to pray together, that's when God shows up. When the word says where two or more gather in my name, not just two or more gather like, hey, what's up? But an intentional, we're going to gather in Jesus' name right now. Then Jesus says, then I will be there with them. Jesus shows up when we make space together for him to show up in our lives and in, in our community. So I would encourage you to come to that because even that is just a picture of our daily life together, that we would pray together, that we would constantly be in prayer. And I love what it says here. It says that they all joined constantly in prayer. It doesn't say they all prayed once or they all just waited till Sunday, Sunday at 9.30, and then Brother Israel led him in prayer. No, it doesn't say that. It says that they constantly prayed. They constantly prayed, Lord, what do you have in store for us now? What do you have in store for us next? And that's what defines us as well. You continue to see that throughout the book of Acts, that prayer defines them. You even saw 
when 3,000 new believers were added to them and they said, okay, let us show you what it's like to walk in the Lord. And it says that they devoted themselves to prayer. You're new to the Lord? Great. This is what we do. We pray together. We pray, we pray, we pray. We constantly bring it up. doesn't matter if you're one day old in the faith or 100 days old in the faith. Prayer is what we are. It would even go as far as to say that there were times when they were persecuted and immediately after the persecution, they would join together in prayer and it says they would lift up one voice. And by lifting up one voice, it's not saying everybody prayed at the exact same time. What it's saying is that when they prayed, they had one heart. They were all on the same page and they were all in agreement about the same thing. It would even go as far as to say that when Peter would go to prison and it said that he was as good as dead because he was going to be executed, it said that they joined together and prayed for him, that they would contend for him. You see, like this constant in all circumstances, Prayer is the thing that really led to them drawing close to the Lord and drawing close to one another. And that's something, if you're taking notes, prayer brings us close to God. Prayer does bring us close to God. But prayer with each other brings us closer to one another. I want to repeat that one more time because prayer, when you pray to God, you get drawn closer to him because you're building a relationship. But when you make a space to pray with other people... That's when the church begins growing close and begins looking exactly like God intended it to be. When you start praying with one another, you start getting in sync with the people around you. You start really pressing forward into one another. And I would just even say, you know, for me and Carissa and our relationship, if somebody asks us, what is our great, what's the biggest staple of that relationship or what's most important, I would say prayer. prayer praying together, not just praying for one another, not just going, hey, I'm going to pray for you but saying, we need to pray. There are days when we don't see each other, but that doesn't mean we're going to call and we're going to pray. We're going to bring everything before us, no matter how we're doing, okay? If we feel like we're on the mountaintop, we feel everything's great and we just need time to praise the Lord. If we feel like we're struggling, we need to bring that to God. If one person hurts the other, that's a point of forgiveness and prayer and reconciliation with one another. If one person is struggling or just weak in life and the other person needs to carry them in prayer, that's what we're called to do. But what that does is it constantly, constantly brings our heart before the Lord and refocuses us in the same direction, saying, we're both going towards God in this. And I want to be clear as well, that's not just a relationship thing. Because praying with one another is true in every area of your life. What your prayer life looks like with your siblings with your parents, with your friends at school, the people around you, that's a reflection of how the health of the friendship is doing. You know, it's interesting as well. There's a statistic that Baylor University did. Um, they did it on married couples, and they, talked to, they were looking specifically at prayer, not just prayer for one another, but prayer with. can't overstate that. But they found that outside of the church, there's a 50% divorce rate. But they found also inside of the church there's a 50% divorce rate. It's, right now it's just exactly the same. We, we mirror the world. But then they did a study on couples who regularly pray together, and that statistic dropped to 0 to 2%. That is an incredible drop from 50% to 2% in the divorce rate because of prayer with one another. There are actual statistics that show prayer with one another affects relationship. But there's so much more than that. Prayer with one another, praying with your parents will change the relationship that you have with one another. So if you are struggling with your parents in this room, 
maybe you need to start praying with them. If you're struggling with your siblings, and I know there are people that are struggling with their siblings in this room, amen? Oh, come on. Oh, amen. Someone's like, yeah! <laughs> Little brother annoys me. Thank you. You need to start praying with one another. And I would just say, if you're an older sibling, it is your duty to make sure that you're leading in prayer and that you're setting the example. And so, can I just, if, can you just raise your hands if you're an older sibling in this room? I just want to say to you, you have a, a responsibility to, to set the standard of what prayer with one another looks like. And if you're a younger sibling, that doesn't mean that you get a pass because you in the same way get to set a spiritual example as well and make room for that. And you know what? That's something even just with prayer. Prayer is something that's initiated by you. Prayer doesn't just happen. If you're just praying for prayer to happen with other people, it probably won't happen because prayer is something that starts with you saying, can I pray with you? Can you say that with me? Can I pray with you? Say it one more time with me. Can I pray with you? That should be a broken record in our lives with the people that are around us because we're constantly looking to pray for them. And I would just say this. If you're standing with someone and they're sharing something with you and you're like, I'll pray for you, and then you walk away, there's a big difference between that and saying, okay, let's pray right now. Let's just stop our world for one minute. One minute. Let's just stop our world in our schedule. Let's stop our world for five minutes. Just five minutes. Prayer. Prayer has the spirit of healing and forgiveness in our own hearts. Prayer has this power to bring us closer to God, but to fix relationships with one another. In James 5, when it says, if anyone is sick or hurting, it says they should go to people, they should go to the people of the church and pray together. And it says they will be healed. It says, and they will be forgiven. Because when you pray with one another, healing happens in that. If you're struggling with someone in your family, then you know how healing happens there? By praying with them. It starts by praying with them. That's where God joins in and starts his spirit to begin to move amongst us. And that's why if you say, well, what does a spirit-led friendship look like? It starts with prayer. It starts there. But that is a step we can't skip. Maybe you're someone looking at your own life, just even thinking, how do, I don't pray at all with my parents. I don't pray at all with my siblings or my friends. Maybe you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, I pray so much, but I don't pray with other people at all. Then this is good. That's really good because now you have an opportunity to open up a whole new wing of your faith and understanding of who God is. Maybe you're even feeling the conviction right now, I need to start praying with my brother. I need to start praying with my sister. Or you're even looking down the row at the people here and you're like, you know what, we go to church all the time together. I go to this church all the time, but we never pray with one another. And that's your call to start praying together. To be in touch, and not just on a Sunday, but, but throughout, your, throughout your life. Practically making a place for that. Stopping our schedule. I'm going to call Olivia up. Olivia. Prayer is also this. This is what I just want to finish with before we respond. It's prayer is openness. Prayer is vulnerability. And I think that just talking about prayer, we can talk about the practical side of it. We can talk about how it brings healing to our hearts. But what does it take to pray with one another? And I want to talk to you from a heart level because this is what it takes. 
Prayer takes vulnerability with one another. It's opening up your heart and revealing your weaknesses. When somebody asks, how can I pray for you? That's an invitation to share your heart no matter how it looks like. And maybe you're the kind of person that's good at guarding your heart or twisting it in such a way that you, you look like you're fine. But you know what? We, we don't want to be people that cover up and pretend we're okay. You can't do that in true prayer. Prayer is a place for you to just lay out your heart and say, this is, I'm struggling right now, or I've done this, and I need help. I'm in bondage. I hate this person in my life, and it's killing me. I don't feel like myself anymore. That's what prayer brings, and he goes, let's bring that to God together. Let's bring that to the Lord together right now. So it's this vulnerability because if we're going to pray together, that means we got to be vulnerable together. But then here's the other side of it. If you're somebody asking, sometimes we don't ask for prayer because we're afraid of what they might say. It's being prepared to receive any answer from any person. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me when I ask a student if they're struggling, how can I pray for them? And they reveal something deep, something true that's going on inside of their hearts that maybe you didn't know. It's because I know what the heart, human heart looks like. You know what the human heart looks like. You know the depths of its pain and its hurt and its brokenness, but also just the desire for Jesus to come and redeem it. And that's something I would just say, prayer is this courage to ask, but it's also a humility to receive. It's a humility to even respond and say, this is what I need in my heart. Maybe you're someone that doesn't even think about their own heart and what they need prayer for. And this is where you get to start because I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with students and they're like, man, I'm struggling with this. Sometimes in tears before me. And then a week later, I'm like, hey, how can, how can I pray for you? And they're like, oh, I'm fine. I can't think of anything. And it's, you were just on your knees. You know, how, how could you forget that? It's because sometimes we don't always think about our own hearts and the need that we have in our own lives. And I would just say to you, don't, don't be afraid to share your heart. Maybe the prayer that you have this morning is a prayer that's like in the word of God that David prayed. He said, search my heart and know me. It says, test me and know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what it says in Psalm 139. Maybe you're someone that goes, I don't even know what's going on in my heart. So God, my prayer this morning is that you would reveal that to me. And that is a good prayer. And so no matter what happens, no matter what, whether you can articulate it or not, there is always a prayer request. There is always a point where we say, God, I need, I need you right now. God, would you reveal this in my heart? Maybe if he has revealed it, you say, okay, this is what I need, God. So we're going to do something together right now, just for a couple minutes. I'm going to ask that you guys would put your Bibles away, phones away, and everything. We're going we're gonna to do two things this morning. I'm going to explain the first one, and then I will explain the second one after we do the first one. Prayer is something that we're called to together, and so... What, what I'm going to do right now is just ask that you would find someone in this room and we're going to pray for each other. You know what? I could pray for you right now, but you guys are more than equipped enough in the Holy Spirit to pray with one another. God is working just as much through you guys as, as he is through any of the leaders in this room. And that, that is something, the power of Christ resides in you. And what I would just say right now is just in, in twos to just ask the other person what you, what you need prayer for. I would just say, be courageous enough to share the vulnerability of your heart. They're not going to go, <gasps> but they're going to have compassion on you because God has compassion on you. And maybe you're someone that doesn't know what you need prayer for, and you go, I'm not sure, but Holy Spirit, would you search my heart? Holy Spirit, would you search me? Um, that's what I need prayer for, that the Holy Spirit would search and reveal in my heart that I do need prayer for. 
then pray for each other audibly with one another. And it's the same thing. This is not speech class. Prayer is not speech class, but rather it's just talking over coffee with God. It's transparent. It's safe. There is no judgment in that place. And so I'm going to ask that you guys would do that. When you're done, if you could just sit quietly with one another, just out of respect for other people who are continuing to pray. And then we'll do the second thing together. So go ahead.